all social groups, young, old, men, women, the works, all right? And um, the, the thing with human nature is, and I don't know if you've noticed this, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, how easily does the high, does the uh, enthusiasm, does the eager commitment, how easily does it dwindle? Have you noticed that? I don't know what it is with us human beings, but that high can so easily become a low. And, and, I, and I think it's quite a characteristic of our modern life and, and, and certainly I think our, our modern church life is often characterised by this bright zeal in the moment and then distraction and disengagement in the aftermath. Have you ever had that experience yourself? Where you're on a spiritual high one day and then the next day you're like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How does the high of Pentecost, this is the question for us, how does the high of Pentecost carry over into the everyday life for these believers? Like for the mission that God has to unfold, what needs to happen next after this big Holy Spirit impartation? What can we learn from these early Christians to guide us in our everyday life? When the holy high fades, what's left? You know, we want to be a church that's here for the long term, don't we? Um, we don't just want to be like a one-day wonder, a one-year wonder kind of church. And, and I, I, I wonder, when the high of our first few services in a public space begins to fade, maybe it's already fading a bit, but when it begins to fade, uh, what will see us become a healthy church that is here for decades to come? What will see us become an outward-focused, missional church? This is literally the sort of stuff I lose sleep over. <laughs> you know, but but what, what do we need to, to be and do as a church? And the image I see in Acts is of a community of people who truly do live differently to the rest of culture. And, and they live as a community of promise. They live as a community of promise. What I mean by that is, is, is they're a community of promise because they're a community of the Spirit. Do you remember that the Father promised that the promise of the Father was the Spirit, okay? So the Spirit has arrived. So they're a, a community of promise. They're filled with the Spirit. But I also am using the word promise in the sense of they're, they're a community that's kind of like pregnant with potential, okay? There's, there's a destiny. There's a calling there. There's a, there's a purpose that this community is made for and filled with. There's this, this expectation. They are God-bearers and they're to spread God's image and his rule and reign across the earth. And this community of promise is to be radically different from other communities and other people groups. This new community, which we call the church, it's to share this joy-filled common life. I want you to grab hold of that phrase. This new community is to share a joy-filled common life where we see the resurrection power of God at work. You, we, all of us, young, old, male, female, we are called to be radically different, aren't we? 
We're called to be radically different from all the other communities around us, all the other groups around us, all of, all of the other um, the ways the world works. We are called to be different. We're called to live this common, joy-filled life where the resurrection power of Jesus is at work. Do you know that you are called to that common, joy-filled life and you are called to be part of seeing the resurrection power of Jesus at work in this community? Man, if that doesn't make you want to get out of bed every day, nothing will. Come on. Acts 2, 42 to 47, I think it presents quite a radical challenge for us, actually. It really does. Um, But not just a radical challenge. I think it's a radical inspiration. I get excited. I get inspired. I see the potential of what life should and can look like when we live how Jesus calls us to live. And so what sort of community do we want to be, CRC Coolerman? Do we want to be a community of promise? Yes. So what does this joy-filled common life look like? Well, it's full of teaching. Teaching by the apostles or teaching by the leaders would be another way of saying that. What I see here is this, and I think this is where maybe we're a little bit different. No, I won't say that. Sorry. Um, The church is not just to be fixated on supernatural spiritual encounters. I mean, I I, I love a good Holy Spirit encounter. Trust me, love it, okay? It's good. Um, And I can think of some pretty wild ones I've had over the years, okay? Um, But that's that's not what our life is to only be full of. You see, after the the, the high of the spirit coming and the tongues and the the miraculous sort of things happening in Acts chapter 2, what what happens straight away? The leaders get to work teaching, preaching, um, equipping with doctrine and, and, and correcting the people and equipping the church in very practical ways, not just supernatural ways. So teaching is key to our shared life together. And what I notice, and I I, I watch other churches, and and I notice that churches who once had a very thriving, vibrant church, very spiritual churches, okay, if that is all they're based on, they eventually seem to implode. They really do. Um, If they lack solid, sound, biblical teaching, um, they just cave in on themselves. And so our life together is not just to be one continual soaking in the spirit, waiting, praying in tongues, and waiting to hear prophetic words uttered, because that's not the picture of church life that I see here in Acts. Now, don't get me wrong, that all of that is an important part of our, our life together, but it's not the only part. And so in order for us to live this, this common life, In order for there to be unity and togetherness and and one mission, one purpose, one heart, we we need to hear uh, as a body from our our local leaders, teachers, pastors. We we kind of need to all drink from the the one stream, all right? Now, obviously, this is a bit awkward for me to talk about because I'm the one that's doing the teaching. So I hope you understand that it's a little bit awkward for me to say this, but, but... Look, it's what's here, so I need to, I need to preach it. Um, you know, I love hearing messages 
from gifted overseas communicators, like, you know, listening to podcasts and, and watching YouTube sermons and things. I, I, I enjoy it. Many of us enjoy it, don't we? All right. But that sort of teaching should only ever be a supplement. All right. It's like adding an extra vitamin pill in your diet. It, it should never be your main diet, should it? Um, it should never be our main meal. God releases and equips various members from the local church. And so that's not just me. There will be other people who will be teaching in our church as the year progresses. But God releases and gifts members of the local church to teach, to preach, to lead the church in a way that's going to be timely and relevant for this local context and for these local believers. And so these local, called, equipped, gifted teachers are to be the voices who kind of prepare the main meal. Do you know what I mean? They're the ones who are to provide the main meal for the church. Because again, what I see happen in some churches, and I'm not necessarily saying this is an issue for our church, I'm sort of getting in before it could be an issue one day, okay? So what I notice happens in other places. If we all start choosing our own brand or style of preacher or style of theology or culture of Christianity, makes us nearly impossible to be unified together in one mind and one purpose. Truly, it does. Like if person A is feeding themselves on Bethel, nothing wrong with Bethel, again, I'm, I'm just using these as examples. If person A is feeding themselves on Bethel and, and person B is feeding themselves on a pastor from Africa and person C is feeding themselves on an, an evangelical fundamentalist preacher from America and, and person D is feeding themselves on liberal theologians from a university somewhere and person E is being pastored by YouTube and person F is a regular of Hillsong Online and no one is giving priority in their heart to the teaching and the mission and the vision and the values of the local church church, how unified do you think that church is going to be? You know, we are to be in community together for the purpose of being taught God's word. Our common life together is to include common teaching. This is how we can be united with one vision, one mission, one purpose. And, and this, this is the reason why we gather on Sundays and gather midweek so that we can, we can feed on that, that same meal, that same family meal. So that's the first one, teaching. The second one is fellowship. It's really important that you have a sense of relationship with one another, okay? That, that we feel connected with each other and connected as a, as a group of believers, as Christians. Our shared life is to be radically different, but you know what? I believe it's to be radically fun and full of joy and satisfying. I love spending time with all of you. You know that? I mean, when you're happy? When, when you're happy, I like being with you. Even when you're grumpy or sad, I still like being with you. You don't get grumpy too often. <laughs> Sounds like family, doesn't it? It's exactly right, you know? Um, the fact that we can enjoy each other come what may. We can enjoy each other's awesome qualities and each other's quirky qualities. Hey, I'm sure I've got a few quirky qualities you have to put up with. Um, you know, the more time I spend 
with each of you, the more I enjoy you. Do you know that? And because relationships are like that, aren't they? You've got to be with someone to enjoy being with them. Sort of a catch-22, isn't it? You're never going to like them unless you hang out with them. It's hard to hang out with them because you don't like them. Hang out with them. Then you'll start to like them. All right? Relationships are not going to just happen by accident. There's, there's some intentionality needed there. You've got to put yourself out there. You've got to plan for it. You've got to make an effort. You've got to, you've got to be the one that makes the first move. Because if you're always waiting for someone else to make the first move, and they're always waiting for someone else to make the first move, who's going to make the first move? No one. Um, might feel awkward at first, mightn't it? Um, but please, make opportunities. Take opportunities to be with each other. Now, I know some of you are not people people. And you describe yourself as shy, introverted, reserved. I actually reckon probably about 90% of our church probably <laughs> describes themselves like that. That's why I'm going to take a little bit of time on this point, folks. <laughs> um, do you know I'm naturally a very shy and reserved person? I am. I am. She doesn't believe me. Um, see what Jesus does? <laughs> Look, my earliest memory, do you know my earliest memory? I must have only been, you know, a tiny little toddler, I reckon, was of some strangers visiting my house and them saying to me, oh, are you shy, are you? I was obviously doing the shy toddler thing and I come in thinking, shy, is that what I am? Okay, I must be shy. <laughs> um, I've had to practice I've had to learn how to be able to connect with people and relate to people, especially strangers and especially people I don't know very well. And I still often find it hard. I remember when I was, I don't know, 18 or 19, I'd been at uni for a year or, or, or two, and some people invited me, this was in Sydney, and they knew that I was from the Wagga area and they were having one of those inland beach missions. I don't know if you've heard of them. It's like a Christian mission thing. But it was going to be inland at Wagga, my home area. And when they heard that I was from here, they're like, hey, come on, mission with us. You know, for a week, camping with all these people I didn't know and doing evangelistic Jesus things. I was like, that's the scariest thing I've ever been offered to do in my life. There's no way... No way I'm doing that. And I said, no, no. Anyway, that week, the summer, summer holidays, as I'm sitting at home at my parents' farm in our little weatherboard cottage in the middle of nowhere, and it's, um, it's hot, and it's lunchtime, and I've heated up a microwave pie for my lunch, and I'm sitting there with my parents, mum, dad, and we're watching the the midday ABC News on the telly. I'm sitting there eating this, this meat pie. And I just had this sudden thought. I thought, oh, maybe I, maybe I should have gone on that missions trip. <laughs> Here I am. Here's my summer. Um, I remember in my early 20s in a church. It was only a small church. Probably something similar to this, actually. And visitors would come and no one would talk to them. And I remember thinking, ooh, that's not real good, is it? Someone really ought to talk to them. 
all right, I guess I'd better have a go, you know, woman up, come on, give it a go. And so I did. And you know what I discovered? It's actually not that hard. <laughs> I, I learned how to do it. It's actually not difficult. You can learn how to build relationships and friends with others at church, even if that's not your personality or your wiring. If I can do it, trust me, you can. Okay? I'm sure people here can, can um, vouch for the fact that my genetic DNA makes me predispensed to shyness, can't they? Yes. See? <laughs> um, this new community is to be radically different from the world's communities, all right, because uh, there is to be a, a common, joy-filled sharing of life together. And do you know what happens when we do this, church? We create um, a, an environment where the resurrection power of Jesus is going to flourish amongst us. Because I tell you what, God's power is not going to flourish in a, in a context of conflict and suspicion and separation and disunity, is it? It's going to flourish in the context of loving, joy-filled relationships. Are we having fun together? Are we having fun together? What do we need to do so that we are able to enjoy one another more? I'd actually love to hear your ideas afterwards during the week. I'd love to hear from you what it would look like for you for us to be able to enjoy one another more. Now, I don't promise to hire a water slide for our next baptism, but I will have a go at doing those things that you suggest. All right, next one, breaking bread. This refers to, a, it's, it's deliberately a bit vague, I think, here in, in the text, but it, it refers to both meals in that informal sense of enjoying, enjoying meals with one another. All right. What have I done that's funny? Breeding bread. Breeding bread. Okay. That's not the worst typo that I made putting together the notes. I picked up the, the, a, a worse one earlier. Breeding bread. Okay or breaking bread, as it is on my notes. Uh, so informal meals, social gatherings, but also it refers to the Lord's Supper, okay? Um, what, do you think, um, what do you think eating a meal is a sign of? Kids, what do you think? Charlie, Sarah, Annabelle, Will? What do you think eating a meal is a sign of? And I don't mean eating a meal with strangers at the food court. That's a different sign of hunger. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> it is a sign of hunger, I guess. But when you, like, like that's eating. Yeah, like you eat when you're hungry. But sharing a meal together, it's a sign of family, isn't it? That's right, family. It's a sign that you belong together. All right? You don't have a meal with complete strangers, do you? You belong. There's belonging. It's a sign of friendship and intimacy and relationship, isn't it? It's where you can talk and share the, the, the hard stuff of life or the funny stuff of life. It's, it's where you can share ideas about, you know, like the best brand of almond milk for chai lattes or, your, your, you know, which parts of the human body are necessary for survival or um, your, your hot tips for weed Roundup sprayers that mean you don't kill the rest of us. Like all of that just funny, crazy stuff of life that we, we share around a meal together. 
don't we? Fellowshipping with one another. Um, so, but the breaking bread also refers here to the Lord's Supper, sometimes called communion. We call it communion, don't we? Or the Eucharist in some churches. And, and, and the Lord's Supper is how we keep Jesus at the centre of our common life together. All right, it's not just a religious ritual. It's not just a sacrament. We are to enjoy real communion at communion. All right, communion at communion. Uh, it, it's um, it, it's significant. And to make it a significant, joy-filled part of our local fellowship, we're going to be once a month celebrating the Lord's Supper together. You'll notice we're not doing it each, each week. Uh, in our small group on Tuesday night, we do it each week. Okay, so we are still celebrating Lord's Supper weekly as a church, but it's just on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, but, but once a month, as a whole church fellowship, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together we're going to have an opportunity for people to come and share testimonies or share scriptures. I won't preach on that Sunday. It's going to be over to you folks. And then we're going to have a great shared um, meal together. All right? Finger food meal, probably. You know, bring and share beautiful afternoon tea or early dinner, whatever it is. But we're going to fellowship over food. And we're going to have an extended period of time together where we enjoy and have fun together as we break bread, as we share in the Lord's Supper, and then as we share in a common meal. Because I want to bring some of that sense of celebration and that sense of family to our, to, to our um, services. All right? So it'll be once a month, probably on the fourth Sundays of the month, but I'll, I'll let you know beforehand so that you can be prepared to be there. So you can bake your best sourdough or your best sponge cake. Yes, gluten-free sponge, all right, whatever it might be, okay? And wasn't it fun that Alison bought the soda stream last week and made soda streams? Like, it's that sort of fun together that's really important to have as a church, isn't it? We don't want to just march on in here every Sunday, sit down, sing some songs and go home again. That's not, that's not shared, common, joy-filled life, is it? Soda streams is where it's at. Next one. Oh, no, 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 you save it for our common Lord's Supper thing. Next one. What are we up to? Prayer. We're up to prayer. Oh, gosh. How's everyone travelling? Can, can I go a bit longer? Is that all right? Kids, can I go a bit longer? Is that okay? Look, I tell you what, if you're struggling, if you're struggling, kids you can get up and stretch a bit if you need to. Because I, I, I understand it's a long time to sit here. If you need to have a little wander, it's okay. But I would love you to listen. But I do get it if you need to have a bit of a, bit of a wander. All right. um, being filled with the life of Jesus. Uh, where are we? Sorry. Prayer. Every healthy church needs a healthy prayer life. And I know I've been saying this again and again and again. But I obviously feel really strongly about this at the moment, don't I? A healthy marriage needs healthy intimacy, yes? Okay? So too a church. We are the bride. Jesus is our groom. Jesus is jealous for us. And so what a delight it is as a church to be intimate with Jesus through the act of prayer. Now, we could have plenty of this fun socialisation and we could mimic a healthy church 
But we could mistake intimacy with each other for intimacy with Jesus, couldn't we? And so as important as fellowship and a shared life with each other are, it must be set in the context of regular prayer because that's what makes us a radically different community. I was listening to a podcast yesterday called On the Future of Godless Congregations. Do you know that there are groups of people who meet and they're called godless congregations and so they're they're these ethical societies that meet around humanist principles and ethical principles and so they actually meet on a Sunday morning and they sing songs and they have an inspiring speaker and they do service acts in their community and they, um, they, they care for one another and they have great community and support for one another. But there's no God. They, they espouse the, the principles of humanism and ethics and, 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 and you know, the potential of human dignity and things like that. But, but they're not churches. They're not Christian. They are purely human organisations that gather to uphold these ethical principles. Do you know what's interesting? Those congregations aren't thriving, they're dying. Okay? However, they're congregations that are dying in the same way that a lot of church congregations are dying. Okay? And so what I think, what I see here is that it's, it's not enough for a group of people to meet and love each other, care for each other, gather regularly, do service projects together. There must be intimacy with Jesus for our communities to thrive. They must be based around prayer, around Jesus as the bridegroom. Again, choose out prayer meetings. This is where you will stoke your fire. All right? Now, I get it. Not everyone can get along to those. I understand. But would you do this? Would you find one or two other people that you can get together with during the week and pray? Would you do that? If you can't make it to those Tuesday meetings, think about who you would feel comfortable praying with, someone that you know is just as awkward as you at praying, all right? Someone that you trust, someone that you get along with and say, hey, could we meet once a week or once a fortnight and could we just pray together? Because I just prayer is so important to me and, and I just pray prayer is important to the life of our local church. And would you could we get together and pray? Okay. Would you do that? If you can't make those Tuesday meetings, would you would you do that? There's all sorts of ways you can pray with people. You can do text message pray, prayer and praying if you need to. Alright? Would you think about that? Next one, uh, shared life, generosity amongst each other. Here's how we know that, that the power of the Spirit went beyond an ecstatic spiritual experience and impacted this community in a very tangible way. The believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property. Whew, that's radical. Anyone here selling their house and, you know, bringing it to the collection box? They, they, they gave to those that were in need. It's, it's kind of, you heard the saying, put your money where your mouth is. This is kind of like put your possessions where your praise is, isn't it? Um, and and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough call. But, but here's how we know that, that the, the, the spirit that came upon them was more than just an ecstatic in the moment experience. 
Because when people are selling their possessions, when people are generously giving away the things they own, well, well, there's evidence of a life that is truly impacted by Jesus, isn't it? You know, being filled with the Spirit, it is the ultimate antidote to individualism and selfishness. And our response to Jesus should always be to be generous. Be generous with each other, with our possessions, with our stuff, with our money. For us to share this common joy-filled life, generosity is part of what it must look like. And it's only possible when the resurrection power of Jesus is alive and at work in you. Without that, you're not going to want to share your stuff. It's going to be too important to you. But when Jesus moves in, you're going to notice just this generosity, this desire to just be free with what you have in order to bless others, to build others up, to bless and build up the local body of Christ. Next one, uh, they, they met together for worship often. We see Jewish people here meeting in a Jewish temple. Even though they were believers, they didn't yet call themselves Christians. And, and they were still in the early stages of Christianity and so there was still this Jewish culture and custom. And so they would go and worship together at the temple. Um, I think this is a good reminder that, that there is to be a formality and a structure to our gatherings, to not all of them, but to some of them. We are to meet together regularly in the formal sense of having a structured worship time and place. And I, I know you understand that because you're here. <laughs> you're here at the structured formal worship time and place. But I hear so many people who say they're being Christian in their community, but not in the church. There's just no such thing. You honestly cannot be Christian in the community without being Christian in the church. And if you're not Christian in the church, well, I don't know, are you Christian? I don't know. You know, people have decided that the, the formal or the institutional church is so old-fashioned or, or not really where it's at, and, and, and they opt out. But it's such a Western mindset it's such an individualistic mindset. It's, it's the mindset that, you know, my religion is my personal thing and I'm going to do it in the way that suits my Myers-Briggs personality type. It just shows such a lack of insight into the book of Acts where they met in the temple courts and in the homes, where they enjoyed informal fellowship and formal teaching, spontaneity and organisation. And so our worship, it's to be big, and little. It's to be home and public. It's to be formal and informal. It's to be once a week and every day. To share a common joy-filled life, we need to meet regularly for worship. To see the resurrection power of God at work in his body in the church, we need to meet regularly and worship together regularly. Let's prioritise that, church. Will you do that? Let's, let's see this as a, as a challenge to, to, to see, um, you know, like this analogy I showed you, to see our, our meeting together, our, our gathering, our worship together in those, those formal structured uh, times to be like the ping pong balls and the Lego blocks. Let's, let's put that stuff into our lives first. 
okay? Let's prioritise the gathering together first. And then you'll find there's plenty of room for everything else, isn't there? But unfortunately, what happens in our culture is Christians sort of follow after culture too and we put all, all, all this stuff in first and then we try and ram in some, some meeting together and some church stuff afterwards and all that ends up happening is our ping pong balls end up going flying everywhere and we, we wonder why it doesn't fit and so we give up. Meet together regularly. Put it in your life first. I think last Sunday really was a beautiful example, wasn't it, of how the church, how we can live that common, joy-filled life together where the resurrection power of Jesus is at work. I mean, you think about it. We had it all. (laughs) Testimony, uh, communion, we had a baptism, we, had, we shared the word together, we worshipped together, there was prophecy that was shared, we bought food together, we ate with one another, we laughed with one another, we enjoyed each other's company. Ha! Oh, there's Acts 2, 42 to 47, all in one afternoon, and didn't it feel good? Let's do it some more. This this new way of living, do you know what really, really sets it apart? Do you know what really sets it apart? Verse 43 and verse 47. Let me read them for you. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Verse 47, they were praising God and enjoying the favour of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What do we see in the context of this sort of life together? We see the church grow and we see extraordinary miracles. This is a snapshot here of perfect Human living, it's just what God intended. Unity, love, generosity, worship, fellowship. Heaven is broken in big time. Do you want to see heaven break in big time? I want to see heaven break in big time. I want to see God's rule and reign released in full power and authority. And that's what happens in this sort of community. That's what happens in a community of promise. When people say, and I'm almost finished, when people say, why don't we see miracles today? When people say, well, why is the church declining? What's going on? I think the answer's pretty simple. We don't see the church, we don't see believers who are devoted to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, sharing of common meals and meeting together for worship and prayer. We see believers who prioritise the sand over the ping-pong balls. We see, effectively, the Christian equivalent of godless congregations. What sort of church are we? Are we a a community of promise? Are we an, an Acts 2, 42 church? 
Do you want to be that kind of church? Hey, let's be that kind of church filled with the Spirit and, and living a radically different way of life to the rest of society. Are you in? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we're, we're, we're in for the mission. Our hands are up. My hand's up, Lord. Some people's hands are up, Lord. Hey, we're, we're in for the mission, Lord. Lord, sometimes we, we prioritise the wrong things, but that's not what we want. Lord, we want your spirit to move into our lives in such a way that, that, that we can't help but prioritise you. We can't help but prioritise prayer and worship and meeting together and fellowship and the Lord's Supper and the breaking of bread. We can't help but prioritise all that stuff because we know that you are worthy of all of that. And so, Lord, we, 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 we sit here this afternoon and our hearts are open, our hands are open to, to receive just the fullness of your spirit. And, and, Lord, would you prompt us? Would you guide us? Would you show us how to put... Uh, you first in our life. And we just trust that the, the, everything else will fall in um, after that. We just trust that everything else will fit in after that. Lord, would you just, um, for those who, who, who maybe um, find it difficult to, uh, to, to, to be at church gatherings, who, who find it difficult to be in, in worship with other Christians, Lord, we just pray that you would minister to their hearts, that you would minister to the, the, the parts of their soul that are um, maybe dry or tired or, um, or hurt or have been discouraged in some way. Lord, would you bind up the wounds of their broken heart? Would you pour the warmth of your love into their soul, Lord, that they would come alive like the valley of dry bones? We just speak to them. We say, come alive, come alive. Lord, for the kids here today, anoint them with your spirit. May they be so full of passion and love for you. May they be leaders amongst their peers. Build them up, Lord. Equip them. Equip them to be part of your church. We thank you, Jesus. We, just, we know we can't do it on our own and we don't want to. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you to be at the centre. So we just pray this looking to you, trusting in you. And we pray this in the, the authority of the name Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church. If you want prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Jen would love to pray with you. Robbie would love to pray with you. Grab someone. Benita would love to pray.